नमो तगवत संबुदस् नमो तगवत संबुदस् नमो तगवत संबुदस् Good afternoon, everybody. Today, I want to start uh, this uh, Dhamma talk. As you know, the theme of this retreat is metta. So all our talks would be focused on metta. Metta is a very uh, profound subject, as I mentioned last evening. Almost one half of the Buddha's teaching is geared <coughs> towards the practice of metta. His teaching is wisdom and compassion. This is the compassion part. When we practice metta, Buddha has uh, given us instructions in a discourse called Karaniya Metta Sutta. Most of the uh, Theravada Buddhists know this discourse. Most of them discourse by heart. The title is Karaniya. Karaniya means to be done. When one attains enlightenment, he would say, "Katang Karaniyam." I have done what was to be done. Karaniya. Karaniya to be done. The phrase itself suggests what metta is. It is not something that you sit in one place and recite. Although we do that, that is a very uh, preliminary stage of metta practice. Preliminary stage is to memorize and recite when we recite <coughs> it takes roots in our mind when you recite anything repeatedly again and again that takes root in our mind then that is one practice one karaniya one thing to be done second thing is to verbalize it. Second thing is to put into action. First is verbalizing, to remember, to remember your manual. Instead of looking at the book, you memorize the manual. And then you 
part by part put together in practice in our deeds that means even in the discourse buddha mentioned sitting standing walking lying down whenever awake vigata middho middha means sleepiness vigata means without we discourse we can read this word so sitting standing walking lying down or whenever awake that means not in dream not in sleep even if you keep if you keep practicing this in this way even in dream you will dream metta <laughs> that is one of the benefits of metta so whatever we normally we know whatever we repeat again and again and again that becomes a habit that becomes a habit so therefore karaniya is to be done in thoughts words and deeds in that means our total personality must be involved in it not partial per- personality total personality and then that person who is doing this buddha gave certain qualities and if the person endowed with these qualities the practice would become really perfect what are the qualities that also are given in the discourse itself at the very beginning at the very beginning perhaps you might have overlooked it again when you read it but after this you go to the discourse and look at each word very very carefully and ask yourself do i have these qualities to practice metta without these qualities reciting metta is just mere parroting parrots in our monastery there was a parrot so he was taught to say thief hora when there was somebody came to the temple he would call thief <laughs> people can get offended that is the nature of parroting it is not this is not a parroting this is just something that you do and we must have these qualities to practice it what are the qualities i think we all know these qualities even though we don't uh, pay much attention to them i i say it in english to save time <coughs> one is skilled in good now metta practice is something very good very good one must be skilled in that how he he is skilled because he wish wishing to attain that 
state of peace. Our purpose of practicing metta is to attain the state of peace, not turmoil, not trouble. And also, this, even though it is, uh, uh, it seems to be very simple, this practice can lead to utmost state, ultimate peace, even Nibbana. There is a discourse that Venerable Ananda delivered to a man called Dasaka, who asked him, could you tell me one thing that would lead me to attain enlightenment? Venerable Ananda gave eleven things. I don't want to spend time explaining that, but one of them is the practice of metta. Practice of metta. When we practice metta, metta is unconditional. Metta practice is unconditional, but metta itself is not. You can see the difference. The practice is unconditional, but metta is conditional. Why it is conditional? Because it is mentally created. Anything that is mentally created is impermanent. Mentally created, anything is conditional. Whatever is mentally created is subject to change. That is the condition. But the practice, when we practice, we don't make any distinction between one and the other. We don't say, I practice metta for everybody but that guy. <laughs> we cannot say that. That is not metta. We practice metta irrespective of what they are, where they are, how they are, irrespective of their status. We think that there are living, breathing beings all over the universe. <coughs> the discourse explained, visible, invisible, far, near and so on. And in that practice, there is no quality or qualification of the recipients of metta. <coughs> they all are one. In that respect, friends, that is not only metta, that is even mindfulness. When we practice mindfulness, we see all living beings are one. Because we all share the same conditions. We share, we share the same feelings, perceptions, impermanence, and suffering and so forth, we all living beings share. No matter how they are, what they are, where they are. And therefore, practicing metta and practicing mindfulness are similar. The results 
is similar. So, understanding this and practicing is very skillful thing. State of attaining peace, when we understand that we all are one, human, non-human and all, are we not peaceful? Only when we make the difference, you, me, they are, that, this and that, all kind of uh, distinctions, then only can we have, <coughs> that is called te ghatrayanta vicharanti loke. Those who have this kind of perceptions live always with conflicts. De ghatrayanta vicharanti loke. When we have this kind of distinction, perception, different, different perception, we live with conflicts. When we practice mindfulness and metta, no conflict. We all are one. And to get this state, we have to practice, and that is the state where we have peace. Attaining peace should practice, should act thus. How? One should be able, able to practice, able to understand, able to know the meaning, <coughs> and straight, uju, aiming that attainment, not wavering, not going zigzag, aiming at that attainment, upright, and stay on the track. Once you select a direct path, stay on that, upright. Obedient. Obedience, you know, there is uh, children now obey, um, obey parents, um, children obey parents and children, are, they are obedient to them. And uh, students are obedient to their teachers and so forth. Not only that kind of obedience, that obedience is also absolutely necessary for, a, for our discipline. But we must be obedient to Dhamma. And Dhamma is our supreme guide. And we must obey that. <coughs> that is the obedience. Then gentle. <coughs> if we are rough, tough, arrogant, how can we practice metta? <laughs> metta practitioners must be gentle and soft and kind. Otherwise it is simply verbalizing. And then humble, gentle and humble. Surely in front of Dhamma, in front of Buddha, we are very, very humble. We must be humble. Because who we are in front of Dhamma. And then one should be content. <coughs> if one is greedy, metta practice is not possible. Because the greedy ones will, may be following Machiavellian principles. <coughs> 
<laughs> you know, Machiavellian principle. You do anything by hook or by crook to get your, to achieve your goal. When you are greedy, that is what people do. So, <coughs> they must be content, limit their wanting. Then, easy to support, easy to support this body. If we are uh, not satisfied, with basic minimum things, we keep collecting, 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 accumulating, accumulating, and have no time to practice metta. And then, and then <coughs> with few duties, when we undertake too many duties, our minds will be in too many places and have no time to practice metta and living lightly, having soft, lofty ideas, but living lightly. Metta practice is, is very easy for someone who lives very lightly. And controlled in senses. Uh, when we do not control our senses, greed, hatred, delusion can invade our mind and we will be completely confused and have distorted perception. Then discreet, not impudent and unattached to families. Some of these things appear to be very difficult for people to understand and practice, but if they understand how to practice them, none of these things is difficult. <clears throat> then one should not do any slight wrong which, when, uh, which the wise might censor. Okay, these are the qualities. With these qualities, if we practice metta, then metta practice becomes easy for us. Now, <clears throat> when we practice metta, <clears throat> we encounter uh, in society all type of individuals. Uh, Buddha has given many, many discourses on uh, how to practice metta, <clears throat> not only this main one, but in many other places he has mentioned. In one place he gave uh, <coughs> similes, gave some similes, one simile uh, to explain four types of individuals who must learn how to practice metta. I mentioned yesterday in my opening talk, <coughs> we all have the seed of metta in us. But 
we don't know how to cultivate it. It is buried deep down in our subconscious mind and it is lying there. We even don't know that it is there. So Buddha gave very beautiful simile. Suppose a person, uh, some people, uh, buy an old metal plate <coughs> full of dust and rust. And he buys it and uh, he even does not know that it is uh, it is a metal, valuable uh, metal, <coughs> but he buys and brings home and throws to a corner. And it continues to remain dusty and rusty. Similarly, some people have metta in their mind, but they don't know that they have metta. And they live with anger all their life. There is a possibility that they can overcome their anger and cultivate metta, but they don't know. Day and night, for any tiny little thing, they get angry. And they always are miserable. You know, when one is angry, that person cannot enjoy life, enjoy friendship, enjoy, cannot enjoy anything. So the person lives like that and dies like that. The person will die with anger. Because the person does not know how to get rid of it. Just like this man does not know that the metal is covered with dust and rust. Another person, another group of people or some people, uh, also buy a metal plate full of dust and rust and they know that it is dusty and rusty. They clean it and put it into some use. Similarly, those who know that they have anger and uh, practice metta to get rid of it and die without anger. Because they know that anger is not something permanent. They were not born with anger, but because of the conditions that they were brought in, they, they, they conceive anger, grudge, and uh, it stays there. So they know from time to time, anger arises, anger fades away. So they know that it can be overcome, and then they practice metta. And then, <coughs> uh, they can die without anger. They can die with metta. Some other people who also buy uh, a, a plate 
metal plate with uh, dust and rust. Uh, no, they buy a play, metal plate without dust and rust. Uh, and maintain that, uh, and, but they do not maintain that uh, the clean plate, cleanliness of the plate, they don't maintain. They, when they bought it, there was no dust or rust, but when they brought it home, they do not keep it cleaning from time to time. So eventually that also builds up dust and rust. Similarly, some people uh, don't have anger, but some people, they do not maintain that angerless state of mind by practicing metta. You know, not having anger is one thing. By not having anger, you are not automatically practicing metta. Metta is not happening automatically. We have to deliberately practice metta. As I mentioned yesterday, abstaining from killing, uh, you don't practice metta. Abstaining from killing is one thing, but you have to do something positive. Abstaining killing is negative. The positive thing is you have to practice metta in order to have the benefit of metta. Similarly, this person knows that he doesn't have anger, but he simply does something else, various other things, but never practice metta. So, when there is no anger, then in order to have the benefit of metta, we have to practice metta. Some people say, well, I don't kill, I don't steal, I don't do anything wrong, I'm okay. I don't have to do anything positive. That is just uh, uh, complacent behavior, just doesn't care. And somebody, uh, buys and metal place without dust and without rust, that person keeps cleaning it always by practicing metta. His dust and rust is compared to anger or hatred. That person does not have anger, does not have hatred. So this person keeps practicing metta again and again and again and die without anger, die with metta, plus this person also using the metta practice to develop his mindfulness, concentration, and he attain even liberation. So these are the type of things we have to remember. If you, remain, if you look at your mind, you may find many, many beautiful moments without any anger. 
Those are the moments that you have to practice metta. When you are angry, don't try to practice metta. Because that is the time you justify your anger. So and so did such and such thing, how can I not get angry? So you justify anger. And uh, when you are angry, when you try to, and try to practice metta, that is the time you say, I practice metta to everybody but so and so. And therefore, whenever you don't have anger, you find very beautiful, peaceful moments, practice metta at that time. And then you increase the, the moments without anger to practice metta. You, these moments may not come very uh, often, but when you keep practicing metta, then you find more time to practice metta and less time to have anger. Okay. Then, <coughs> when the Sariputta gave a very uh, meaningful uh, explanation of how to practice metta, as you know, Vendabhai Sariputta is very, very good in expanding short, brief discourses delivered by the Buddha. Uh, so, this is one of them. <coughs> this we can find in Anguttara Nikaya, Aghata Patibhinodana Sutta. Aghata Patibhinodana. Uh, Patibhinodana. He gave five similes. Suppose when you walk, suppose uh, say a monk, monk is walking <coughs> and he finds very dirty piece of cloth and he just uh, stumble over it and then he turn around and see that, the piece, that it is a piece of cloth, but very, very dirty. It is so dirty that he even uh, uh, might not feel like picking up with his fingers. He may pick up with his toes and kick with the other foot to clean it. And then he pick it up, brings to the kuti, wash it, and he keep washing, applying soap and so forth. After several wash, this piece of cloth become clean. Then he can use it and collect such pieces of cloth to make a little sitting cloth or even if he collected enough pieces of such cloth, he can make a little under robe and so forth, he can put that piece of cloth into use. Although originally it was so dirty, <laughs> ugly, he even did not want to pick up with his fingers. Now after cleaning it, he can put it into some use. Similarly, you may find a person uh, 
his words are kind sweet words but his actions and his thoughts are like poison his thoughts are like poison his actions are so offensive but when you very get very closer to him and begin to talk explain them explain the benefit of metta and explain friendliness slowly and gradually this person this person in a hidden metta will arise as i said metta seed everyone has metta seed and that hidden seed will slowly grow and he can practice metta and you can practice metta towards that person seeing his potential for practicing metta <clears throat> so that is one person that means even if we see somebody with sweet words but deeds and thoughts are very very evil and yet even that person has the seed of metta in him and you must try to bring it up by practicing metta towards him showing him the way talking to him in a, as buddha said those qualities metta practitioners must have those qualities gentle obedient and uh, and so forth we just mentioned those are that is why one must have these qualities when we have these qualities and practice metta your qualities will prompt you to help the person second person the you meet another person uh, whose uh, words and uh, his uh, uh, words are rotten uh no but his his words are kind words and uh, his deed also good deeds but his mind his mind is full of poison and that person is compared to a uh what do you call uh, uh, the pond covered with algae when you want to drink water from a pond covered with algae what we have to do we have to remove the algae very gently and find the clean water and drink similarly when you see this kind of person don't give up on him keep practicing metta and let him understand that he also has the seed of metta you know if somebody does not have seed of metta at all you can never teach him to practice metta so now we have to recognize that even this person has metta as a seed so i must do something to i must uh, behave like a midwife 
<laughs> midwife doesn't deliver, doesn't create babies. Midwife simply deliver the babies. Similarly, this person has metta in him. I must help him to develop metta. Third person is uh, his thoughts, words, deeds are all bad. But occasionally his mind can open to metta. Even though he has all these bad things, his mind can be open to metta practice. He is like, uh, he compared to a, a little water in a, a cow's uh, footprint. Suppose you, you are walking, very thirsty, and you want to drink water. Friends, we all know when you are really, really thirsty, no matter what kind of water it is, we don't care whether it is clean or full of germs and so forth, just water. We want to drink. We all know dying without water is the most painful thing. So you don't want to die. So you are very, very, very thirsty. And you see little water in a little uh, uh, pool uh, with a cow's footprint. Cow's footprint is not very big. The water collected in it is also not too much. And you are very hungry, you are very thirsty, you want to drink that water. You know, if you take a leaf and make a cup out of it and try to scoop water from that, you will, dirt, you will make it dirty because you will stir the mud. Cannot drink. So what you would do, you will kneel down and on your force, you bend down and slowly sip that water without disturbing the mud. Similarly, this person has metta. <coughs> but since his thoughts, words, deeds are not good, anytime he can get upset. When you try to teach him metta, he can get upset. He can even use his uh, evil state of mind, evil mouth and body to hurt you physically as well as mentally. And therefore, you have to be gentle, soft, kind, tactful, skillful, as Buddha mentioned the qualities at the beginning. Use those qualities to tackle this person very diplomatically, very tactfully, softly and gently. Because in your heart there is a full of metta. You have full of metta. Use that metta, use those qualities to talk to this person. And without hurting him, without hurting yourself, softly, gently, kindly teach him how to practice metta. So you have to have metta for that person as well. 
And the <coughs> fourth person is so sick, nobody even want to look at him. Very, very, very sick. How can you let him go without doing something for him? Because you practice metta. So, <coughs> this person needs medical attention, this person needs, you know, clothes and food and water, he even cannot walk properly. So you have to be utmost compassionate to reach out to help him, to give him clothes, water, food, shelter and so on. And then you find even in him there is the seed of metta. First you have to take care of this physical, mental, very unfortunate conditions and then you can unfold his metta within himself. You are the one who has metta and your metta initiate his metta to arise. And therefore, you cannot preclude anybody from your metta practice. Lastly, when the Sariputta says, you find a person perfect in everything, thoughts, words, deeds are good, heart is good, health is good, he is like a pond with clean water. Everything is good. Practicing metta towards that person is the easiest. When the Vasariputta did not start with the easiest, he starts with the most difficult person and then come to the easiest one. Who cannot practice? Even in Kakachupama Sutta, Buddha said that monks, bhikkhus, if somebody is uh, gentle and kind and soft and observe the precepts and be very holy, noble, when all his four requisites, his food, his robes, his lodging, his uh, medicine, all he gets very comfortably and then he practices uh, very softly, gently and lives a very pure life. I don't appreciate that monk. Why? Because everything comes to him easily. When he puts into some test, you can find the real man. Similarly, <coughs> practicing metta to a friend, you know, that is why when we people say when they practice metta, I practice metta towards my wife. I practice metta towards my husband, my children, my parents. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Very easy. 
and if they say i practice metta to my adversary my enemy that is appreciable that is really wonderful not easy to do then <coughs> there are eight qualities to uh, prepare uh, practice metta number 1 i just run through all these things in order to save time uh, without too much explanation uh asevana in pali asevana in uh, meaning associating uh in mangala sutra also you see asevana associating osevana associating asevana not associating asevana is the same associating associating with the with people who practice metta associating with the thought that uh, you have within yourself and keep in order to associate what we should do we have to uh, keep bringing it to our conscious awareness conscious we must bring it to our conscious awareness then only we can familiarize our mind with metta then <coughs> cultivate it when we cultivate uh, we have to uh, uh, repeat morning noon evening bedtime when we get up in the morning any time as buddha said uh, sitting standing walking lying down whenever awake we practice it doesn't take too long you know even one simple sentence we don't have to go through the entire discourse one simple sentence is enough what is that may all beings be well and happy may all beings be well and happy when we say may all beings be well and happy you are also included when we send out metta in all 10 directions uh you are not losing metta you are not losing yourself when you send out metta somehow you are the one who have metta you are the one who benefits actually we don't know whether other individuals that we send metta to receive some metta or not we don't know as there are so many trillions of living beings human and animals and so on we don't know they may have their own karma according to their karma they either will be suffering or not suffering 
whether, whether they are successful or not successful, depending on their own karma. And we cannot be responsible for their, for their karma. They have to be responsible for their karma. And therefore, when we send our metta to all other living beings, we cannot eliminate their karma and insert or replace their karma with our metta. We cannot do that. But when we send metta to all living beings, it is our mind that gets purified. Because we don't have a stain, we don't have uh, anger in our mind. So we get the benefit all the time we practice metta. That is why in the discourse Buddha said, protect this metta like a mother protect her only child even at the expense of her own life. Can we do that? Can we practice metta to somebody at the expense of our own life? Normally we don't do it. But Buddha never says something that we cannot practice. Buddha himself said that because I never tell you anything that you cannot practice. Metta is something that we can practice. So, protect the metta, not the person. You protect your metta thought. Your metta thought is your baby. Protect it. You cannot, we cannot go out and protect human beings, animals and so forth. While we are practicing metta, millions of cows will be slaughtered, millions of pigs will be slaughtered, chicken, turkey, fish, people keep killing all the time. We cannot stop that. Not even the Buddha could do it. But protect this metta thought at the risk of your own life. As the Kakachupama Sutta said, the simile of sword, this course said, even if somebody cuts off your limbs one by one, at that time, if you do not practice, if you have anger, you are not practicing my instruction, my Dhamma. Even at that time, you have to send metta to those criminals who cut your limbs off. Likewise, that is a very beautiful simile. Similarly, protect this metta thought, metta thought, just like a mother protects her child even at the risk of her own life. Our child is our metta, metta thought. So, cultivate it and then Amplify it. Amplify means expanding. Expanding metta thought. Starting from one direction, go all around the horizontal six directions, up eight directions, up and down ten directions. Or four major directions, up and down six directions. And then <coughs> make it a vehicle, yanikata, yanikata. 
make it a vehicle. Uh, let our thought run on the metta thought. That is how we make it a vehicle, metta practice. Then, uh, what to kata? Make it our ground, our stand. That is the stand, that is the uh, ground, <coughs> the place where we stand for our practice. In uh, <coughs> many discourses, Buddha mentioned, on the basis of this practice, we can develop concentration. That is why at the end of the Metta Sutta, Metta Anisansa, it is said, you gain concentration very quickly when we practice Metta, because it is the ground. <coughs> then, uh, experience it. Uh, Anuttitai, don't get out of it. You stay in that. Make it your experience. From the experience you can expand or send out metta. That means we, we must feel within ourselves the benefit of metta in order to share it with others. Once we experience it, then it is very, very easy for us to say how beautiful if all living beings have the same feeling as I have. In order to have this thought in mind, we must experience metta by doing it again and again and again. Then make it a habit. Uh, in order to make it a habit, as I mentioned earlier, when we do something again and again and again, anything that becomes a habit, wholesome or unwholesome, this is a wholesome habit. Then finally, practicing well. Practicing well means without any uh, discrimination, any uh, hesitation, anything expecting in return. When we practice metta, don't, don't expect them to reciprocate. This is not something uh, doing uh, uh, expectation, expecting some uh, reciprocacy. No reciprocate. We just do it for our own benefit and wish how wonderful it is if all beings have the same metta practice. Friends, if you practice and she practice, she practice, she practice, everyone practices, everyone individually will benefit. You cannot find collective benefit. This is not group practice. This is not community practice. This is an individual practice. Only those who practice will be benefited. And that is how we have to share metta. I practice metta following this 
principles and I wish you to practice metta in the same way then you both will have the same benefit. I think friends uh, this may be enough for Dhamma talk and if you have questions write them at 5 o'clock I will come and ask your questions. Thank <laughs> you.